Welcome or welcome back to another day of inspiration. It's your girl Kitty here, and today I'm so excited to be here with Valerie Paul, owner, founder of Impossible Pups, a kennel in Henrico, Virginia that provides daycare, boarding, grooming, and training. Thank you for being here, Valerie. Thanks for wanting to speak with me. <laughs> so how long have you been in the business? Uh, so I started training dogs in 2009 um, after I got my dog, Cody. Um, but I've had dogs all my life and I volunteered with rescue groups in high school and um yeah, just kind of had a little break there in college where I, I couldn't have a dog and that was it. So. Yeah. So did you always want to own your own business? Like, was this always the goal? No, actually. I went to school and I got my degree in music um, and I was going to work in the church and uh, that did not go as planned <laughs> for so very many different reasons. Um, I actually, the day I graduated with my music degree, I burned all of my music and said, I never want to look at it again. I don't recommend doing that yeah. because I miss that music now. <laughs> um, but I actually was my mom who um, found dog training as an option and knew that I liked working with dogs. And uh, I thought it was a great option and uh, couldn't afford it at the time. Yeah. But um, it kind of always stayed there in the back of my mind. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so your jobs was in the music field before here? Yeah. So I have my degree in music studies with a, an emphasis in voice. And then um, I held odd jobs after college. So like I worked in the box office at the theater. Um, I did actually work with dogs um, in, a, in a pet store, which was an interesting learning experience. Yeah. Um, but just kind of held odd jobs here and there until I could go on and pursue something else that was very terrifying so okay so when you started like who was with you did you go at it alone or did you have like a crew um so that's actually really nice so if you want to talk just the business side it was just me like I did in-home training so um that I was the face of the business I was the one on the website I had Cody yeah. <laughs> that was it um but to say that I did it by myself would be taking all the credit for none of the work yes. um, or yeah, all of the credit for, yeah, which I just didn't do as much as what other people did. So I was very fortunate. My, um, both my parents were accountants and so they helped me on the tax side of things and set me up with um, a corporation and instead of me just going in and saying like, I'm going to make money. <laughs> um, and then my best friend uh, one of my best friends was a graphic designer, so she came up with our brochures and logo and uh, business cards and all of that. And then um, my in-laws were attorneys, and so they actually helped me when I had a few uh, questions and things like that uh, a couple of years into the business. And then um, my other best friend was a web designer, and he still does our web work. So, uh, you know, all of these people who I did pay, um, but that definitely pennies what I would have had to have paid if I had outsourced. And then of course um, I had Hans who, you know, my husband at the time and um, he uh, was very supportive and kind of held down the fort and just said, you do you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Like having that support. So when you first got started, like what was some of the struggles that you had when you got started? Um, Honestly, first starting with the in-home, um, probably the biggest struggle I had was just being familiar with uh, the neighborhood and being comfortable with where I was going because I grew up very insulated and isolated. And so being able to branch out um, at 
I would describe myself as more introverted, although you might not ever see that at work. <laughs> I talk to everyone, but I like to be able to just woosah and come home and be left alone. Yes. Um, so that was part of it, was figuring out how to talk with people as well. But if I'm really honest, when I first started, it was, I loved what I did so much and I was so excited and so full of hope and um, there I can't say there are a whole lot of troubles. Now you want to ask further down the line. That's when the headache yeah. started as business group. But um, yeah, starting off, it was like, I can just do this forever. Answer emails all day long. <laughs> okay. That's awesome. Okay. So you said like you, your husband, ex-husband at, well, husband at the time uh, was with you. So when y'all were, got separated, how did that affect business or did it? Oh, so this is what I'm still learning because our separation is so very new. Um, you know, Hans was always very supportive and was always there for me and did the best that he he could. Um, and I think through that process, I kind of forgot how to stand on my own two feet. And I came to rely on another person for everything. Mm -hmm. And um, one that's not fair to that other person, but also it wasn't fair to me because I forgot my own strength. Um, and what I'm learning now is that I don't actually always need that other person. That's not to say that I don't need other people in my life. I'm not a rock. I'm not an island. I'm not a Simon and Simon and Garfunkel song, but, um, but I, I am learning to find my own power and strength within and, and figuring out how to problem solve and how to do things on my own. And even how to say, this is really hard right now and I need to take a step back and just take a break, um, which it's a learning process and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. You know, I, I spent most of February and March assembling furniture and then um, something would break down at the kennel and I had to figure out who to call or how to fix it myself and realized I could do that and it's not that hard. So. <laughs> Becoming an independent businesswoman. Yeah. That's amazing. So you are also a mother. Yes. So... Um, how do you balance work, being a mom, and having time for yourself? Oh, I don't. Zero <laughs> balance. Um, I wish I could say I had it all sorted and figured out. If I'm really honest, I think that there is this fallacy that working moms can have it all. You can't. Yeah. Um, you can choose two of three. You can have a work life, a, um, a family life, or a social life or time for yourself or whatever, you can't have all three all the time. Um, so I am generally burning the candle at both ends until my body says, you're time to rest. Yes. Um, and then I have to sleep for about two weeks. And then, uh, and then I get behind on work and everything else. And I'm fortunate that my daughter is lovely and wonderful. And somewhere along the way, I'm doing something right. And yes. she is coming along there there it's a nightly basis of crying to a friend going I just don't know I hope she's okay or I did this at the kettle and I need to do more work and I keep trying to tell myself what my old uh, voice teacher used to tell me was don't should on yourself meaning don't keep telling yourself you should you should you should that's just shooting on yourself I like that okay. it's, it's <laughs> so I have to sometimes say Val don't should on yourself you're doing the best you can in the moment so. yes that's good. Okay. And you said that you were isolated growing up. So how, how are you doing things differently with your child than you were growing up? Uh, <laughs> I'd like to say I'm doing a lot better. I'm trying. Um, so I think my parents did really well in that they were honest with me, but they didn't expose me to a lot of things. And so another way to say that I was isolated is I was very privileged. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's interesting because when I really think about it, like 
I can say I'm privileged in that I went to a private school. I grew up in the country. Um, we didn't have a lot of money. My grandmother was the survivor of the Holocaust. So, um, you know, with acid scars and things like that. So like, there, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to say. We had our own struggles, but um, I think uh, with Anna, I want her exposed to different walks of life, um, you know, uh, people of different sexual identity, people with different of different color, which, you know, like I didn't have a lot of experience. <laughs> um, and um, understanding different cultures and values that aren't just her own heritage. So yeah. um, we go to a lot of festivals and we read a lot of books um, and just try and keep her interested in everything. And then um, beyond that, I let her own little curiosity kind of, take her the way it wants to go. And then other than that, I just try and get her to do what I like to do. I like to run. I like to bike. I like to hike. I like to camp. So I'm pushing her that way in the hopes that she will grow up to be a, a person who wants to explore the world and yeah. seek out those new adventurous things. So I like that. That's good. Yeah. Cause I will say I was very scared growing up. Like the person I am now is much more confident than the person I was when I got married, when I started the business and starting a business is a big, scary thing that I wouldn't have done without all of the support that I had. Yes. Um, but uh, I want her to be the person who could be like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do, regardless of the support. So. Yes. <laughs> well, that's good. I like that. So are there any like traditional values that you grew up on that you were like passing on to her or it's just like starting fresh? No, I'm, I'd say probably just treat everybody else as you would want to be treated. That was the one thing that my mom, oh, God, she must have said that every other day. Um, <laughs> not to say that I always do it because I'm certainly not perfect, but that was, that was one thing it's, you know, don't, don't judge other people. Um, you know, walk a, walk a mile in somebody else's moccasins before you can make it, uh, before you can judge them, you know? Um, and I, I think that's the big one, just being kind to people around her. So. Yeah, that's a good one. I like that. So your mom was a big part of your life and starting the business. So um, what year did she find out that she was diagnosed with, with cancer? Yeah. So yeah, my mom was pretty much my best friend. Um, she was diagnosed on July 14th, 2014, uh, about three weeks after Anna was born. Oh. So sorry, seven weeks after Anna was born. Yeah. And how, how old was she? Uh, she was 64 at the time. Okay. And what type of cancer was it? She had stage four small cell lung cancer. So she had smoked for 50 years. So it started when she was 14. Whoa. And uh, that was one thing I always begged her, quit smoking, quit smoking. And she had a cough for a while that wouldn't go away and started acting a little bit different. And there was a lot of like, mom, go to a doctor, go to a doctor. And she wouldn't do it. Um, but she had back pains that wouldn't go away. And the chiropractor actually said, you might have a bulging disc. Let's get an MRI just to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. And nobody expected it, but she had, I think it was two very large tumors on her spine. And the neurologist even said he was surprised she could still walk. Um, but she had two on her spine, seven on her liver, three on the base of her skull and then some in her lungs so did she try to like hide it from y'all or did she tell y'all immediately um she didn't have a choice <laughs> um she had dropped her dogs off at the kennel to um for her mri she i'll be back in a couple hours mm -hmm. and um she had to call the kennel to say hey the dogs need to stay um and of course they knew she was my mom so they asked if everything was okay and she told somebody at the kennel and um 
July 14th was also Hunt is my anniversary. So we were out of town for our anniversary. It was not a good one. <laughs> so anyway, the kennel called said, you need to get to St. Mary's and see your mom. Um, and at that point, like there wasn't an official diagnosis. We just knew that there were tumors and she was going in for more scans. So came back and um, yeah, she, I guess technically she got the diagnosis three days later, but um, we knew at yeah. that, on the 14th, there was something going on. So how long after the diagnose the, the diagnostic did she um, pass away? Um, so, uh, about almost a year. So she died on June 20th. Um, excuse me. She died on June 20th, um, uh, 2015. So three weeks after Anna's birthday. Um, that was, yeah. So her first birthday, she was supposed to come and, and come to the party and she couldn't get out of bed. So we just took the party to her at yeah. the end of the day. So, yeah. So she, did she get to spend at least some time with Anna? Yeah, she did. Um, you know, that first year or that, that last year, I guess I should say, um, first year for Anna, last year for mom. Um, she, it was, had really highs and really low lows. Um, her chemo actually ended in December and she had new scans done back in October. Um, and I'll never forget her scans were done October 12th. So one day before my birthday and we got the results back on the 14th, the day after my birthday. And I remember mm -hmm. saying on my birthday, it's not fair. I just want the birthday that I want. Anna was fussy and it was, everybody was tired. And, um, and all I wanted was for my mom to not have cancer. And we got the results back on the 14th that she was in full remission. And I remember looking at the doctor and I said, I got my birthday wish. <laughs> uh, and then we went and celebrated with pumpkin cheesecake. Um, and so, you know, that Christmas was lovely and wonderful and everybody was happy. Um, and till, and then we hit, she started radiation and the, the reason they did radiation, it was a prophylactic radiation to protect her brain in case the cancer came back and the radiation on the brain will actually lower the IQ. And there was, I think being the person I am now and looking back on things, I think we were both very scared and we were unable to communicate any of that. And as she lost IQ, I mean, there's no better way to say it as she lost IQ points, um, she w really wasn't able to understand it. And so we, um, we got into a lot of fights, a lot of arguments, past hurts came up a lot. Uh, and she started doing things like she, she sold my car <laughs> and bought herself a brand new car. And I got very upset that she couldn't afford a car and how did she do that? And, um, then I bought her some shoes and she, um, she, had said like, well, if she, if I buy her two pairs of shoes and then she can pay me back for one of them, that it's like, she bought me two pairs of like it, things that just really didn't make sense. Um, so there were a lot of fights and it was not easy. Um, and that's one thing I would say, I wish I could take that whole year back and just sit there and, you know, like, let's take trips together and let's celebrate together. And yeah. I think we were both too scared to admit that the end was actually coming. And, you know, we said like, no, you beat it. It's going to be fine. Why can't you just get with the program? And I think both of us were saying that to each other as opposed to saying, hey, you beat it once. Let's stay on, on board. And this is really scary. And I don't want to go through this again. So, yeah. So like, did she like lose her hair and... Yeah, she, she lost her hair, um, and that never, it, she, it had started to grow back, and then when she got the radiation, I don't know how that affects the hair follicles or um, 
if she if it ever would have grown back after that but she just stayed bald yeah she didn't love it and that's one thing too I wish I had just shaved my head um made her feel a little bit better but I loved my hair at the time and it was very important to me and now I'm looking back and I'm like it's hair it would have <laughs> it would have grown back so yeah. yeah so when she passed and the business was open how did you keep going what kept you going um so I was kind of fortunate that the business was smaller then and it didn't take up as much time um and I had I had staff that could handle it. Um, if I had, if the business were at the same level that it's at now, um, I don't think the staff would have been able to have handled if that, you know, like they, they had limitations. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it was, I had to learn a lot of things. Like I said, my mom was my accountant. She was also my bookkeeper. So she ran the payroll. She made sure the taxes were filed. And I had to learn how to do all of that on my own. Um, so I remember sitting in her hospital room while she taught me how to run these programs and, um, you know, trying to keep on one arm and work the laptop <laughs> on the other, or, um, when she was able to return to work, but couldn't drive yet, I would drive her to her work and then sit in a spare office and work that way. Um, and then, uh, and then I just kind of had to do all the things all at once. And that was not easy. And I think by the time she, she passed and, and actually the time we had her funeral at that point, the, the business had kind of exploded. And, um, that was a struggle just figuring out how numbers should look and keeping the dog safe. And a lot of mistakes were made and I'm still learning from them. So, yeah. Okay. So what did, like, is there anything that like at the time of your mother being alive, like things that she would tell you that maybe you misunderstood or didn't hear her that now you're like, Oh, I, I get what she was saying. Um, my mom shared a lot that she probably shouldn't have. And she was wrong about a lot. Um, and she was, I think the one thing that I wish I had really understood is that moms aren't perfect. And I wanted her to be perfect. Yes. And she was her own person with her own flaws. So I knew I could call her at any time and she was there for me all the time. Um, but I wish I had, instead of getting angry with her when she wasn't perfect, I wish I had been able to have a conversation with her and tell her in better terms how she was hurting me and why she was hurting me. Um, and how it affected me because I don't think we ever really saw eye to eye on, on things like that. So. Yeah. So um, your dad was also like a, a part of your business starting. Mm -hmm. And how is y'all's relationship now? <laughs> Non-existent. <laughs> um, no. So dad is actually still, uh, he still does the taxes. His, um, his partner helps me on a regular basis with um, bookkeeping and things like that. Um, we've kind of had to separate the personal and the business side of things that I know he's good at what he does, but personally, we don't always see eye to eye. Um, and we have different values and viewpoints, which is kind of sad. Um, you know, dad and I were never as close as what mom and I were. And, uh, when mom passed, he and I got a lot closer. Um, you know, he was able to relate to Anna and not getting to know her grandmother because he never got to meet his. Yeah. Um, so there, it was a really interesting dynamic. And for a little bit of time, we got closer there and then life and politics and <laughs> politics got involved and we're not as close as what I would like us to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, so as a mother and being a mother for how old is Anna? 
Nine. For nine years, what has motherhood taught you? (laughs) Sleep when you can. Just sleep. Uh, That the Hollywood uh, fantasy of... Uh, That happy, cheerful, put-together June Cleaver mother is a fallacy, and it is awful, and it's not, like, it's okay to yell at your kids sometimes. You're going to make mistakes. (laughs) Um, You know, there's this, well, I mean, there's so many, so many things about being a mom. There's this constant belief that we have to be, again, have to be perfect, and that is not possible, Um, and that... I will always feel guilty for not doing enough. And that's not fair to me. Again, I'm shooting on myself. Um, and that um, that sometimes being a mom just sucks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, I love my daughter and I, I love her dearly and I want to spend time with her. But Lord knows early in the morning when I am tired or I have a headache and that kid will not shut up. (laughs) You're like, please stop. Or won't put her socks on because she's too busy humming to herself in the mirror. Um, Those are the easy things. You know, it doesn't even count as we're getting into uh, puberty because that's happening now. And she's crying because a friend didn't like her song. And, and clearly nobody cares about her and like feeling all of these big feels and you're sitting there going what is happening (laughs) um so there's that and you know have to deal with all of that um or feeling like you're um spending too much time at work instead of with your kid or feeling guilty because you know her father and I have separated and how is that affecting her? And it's hard and it sucks. And unless you are like 1000% certain that you want to be a mom, don't do it. Like these people who are like, maybe, I don't know. Just don't (laughs) just (laughs) spare yourself the trouble. Um, and I think I, I think I know I have a few friends who, um, desperately want to be mothers and I feel for them and I hope that they can eventually reach that goal. But, um, I don't think they understand. They get mad at me for complaining. And I'm like, no, you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you will see. Yeah. And I think the important thing to remember is once a parent, you are always a parent. It's not just until they turn 18 or move yes. out of the house. You will worry about them forever. And there's not a second that goes by that I'm not going, what's Anna doing? <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> so as an adventure girl, you say you hike, you bike, you camp. So, and you run, like, how did you get into that? Or was that always your thing? No, not always my thing at all. Uh, Cody, it was my dog. That was it. (laughs) Um, You know, he was my heart dog and he encouraged me to do a lot of things just by being there because I wanted to entertain him. Yeah. Um, So I started running. I guess that one's a little, I started running because I'd always wanted to run and Cody was somebody for me to run with. Yeah. Um, And I did an online training program um it was called um get up up and running up and running and um it was great coaching and a really supportive network and everything else and I would go out three or four times a week with Cody and we built up to a 5k and then I did a 10k and um then I had to start training then I started training for a marathon and Cody couldn't join me for those runs but he would come in the middle of the week when I would go out for those shorter runs and um you know, go out at five o'clock, four o'clock, even three o'clock in the morning with me. So I had some sense of protection by having a big dog run with yes. me. Um, yeah. And then 
um, the hiking, I would go up into the mountains with Cody and do that with him. And, um, uh, the rest kind of, kind of followed after it. So the running introduced me to people who biked and camped and did, uh, trail races that involved camping and, it just progress, you know, natural progression, but it, none of it would have happened without Cody. That's cool. So how many marathons have you done? Uh, by the end of January, I will have done 18. So I guess 15 Ooh. right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> so like, are you racing to like be, be a winner or are you just doing it for the goal? Just the goal. It's just, I, you know, I'm always racing against myself. I'd love to break some personal, but, and don't get me wrong. I would love to be like, first in my age group, but I am slow. I'm so slow. <laughs> uh, and I feel like each year I just get a little bit slower. So at some point I will find time to focus on strength training and cross training and making myself a little bit faster. But, um, for now it's more 26.2 miles is not easy. Yes. And, uh, it doesn't matter how fast or slow you are, you're going to be tired in the end. So the fact that I can say I've done that great. And maybe someday I'll do an Ironman. Maybe someday I'll do an ultra marathon, but for now, 26.2, I'm happy. Yeah. So. <laughs> so like, um, and you do like different, like, uh, girls on the run and things like that. Like, how did you get involved in that? So girls on the run, um, you know, that's a, a group for young girls ages, uh, from third grade to fifth grade. And then they have their sister program soulmates that goes from sixth grade to eighth. Um, and that one, there was actually a running coach on my team who was looking for girls on the run coaches. And I thought it sounded like a great thing for me to do with Anna. That was, <laughs> I want to do something with my daughter. Uh, it is not at all what I thought it would be. I thought it'd be more about like, let's focus on the running. Yeah. Um, it is more about let's focus on the social networks and oh. um, building self-esteem and finding your inner strength. And we spoke, we call it star power, finding your star <laughs> power. Um which that we just did that lesson yesterday and it's my favorite one and I love it. <laughs> um, igniting your star power. Uh, but, uh, she's made a lot of really good friends through that. And then I, I'm kind of wondering what I'm going to do when Anna is too old or, or decides that she doesn't want to do girls on the run anymore because I thoroughly enjoy coaching it, but I know that I also just want to have the time with my daughter. So will I keep coaching for my enjoyment or will I move on to the next thing that she wants to do? Yeah. Let's see. Yeah. I like that. Um, you bring her along with like your hiking and biking and stuff. Is she actually like enjoying it with you? No, <laughs> <laughs> I have, you know, I, I'm trying to find the balance of finding things that will get her outside yeah. that she enjoys doing without crushing the potential love for hiking. Yeah. So, um, I really wanted to go. She has a three day weekend coming up and I really wanted to go camping with her and she, no. And I was like, well, if we go on this bike packing trip, I can take you to see this really cool cave. And it was a maybe. <laughs> and then weather was questionable and it's a lot of work for me to, to put into it. If she's going to whine the whole time. Yeah. And I don't know how cold it's going to be. And then finally I thought, you know what? We're going to go to an apple harvest festival. We're going to ride horses. Ooh. We're going to have the option to hike. But it's a day-long thing and get her outside. And, you know, honestly, that's kind of what I did as a kid too. So, uh, you know, she knows she has the resources if she wants to do more. And at some point I will push her to do more. But, um, yeah, I think I want to just keep her happy to be outside for the time being. Yes, so. that's so important. And, like, have you traveled around a lot of places? As a kid, yes. As an adult, not as much as what I'd like. So, <laughs> um, you know, when I was, by the time I was Anna's age, I had been to Hawaii three times, 
Mexico, Barbados, Aruba, Oklahoma for my grandmother's birthday, and then essentially like 30 U.S. states. Um, and uh, I really enjoyed traveling. And then it, for various reasons, that ended. And then uh, in college, I had the opportunity to go with my school choir to Asia. So we went to Tokyo, Okinawa, Seoul, Beijing, and Hong Kong for three weeks. Um, and then recently I had the chance to visit Europe for the first time, but um, I want to travel a lot more. I would love to just travel all the time. That's, <laughs> you know, I want to bike across the United States yes. and I want to hike the Appalachian Trail and um, I want to visit Spain and and Ukraine and Germany and yeah, yeah. maybe you <laughs> make it back to Europe. I mean, to Asia. Um, maybe make it to South America. Like, I would love to go to Chile and Arge Argentina. But yeah. yeah. So, do you have a favorite place that you've traveled so far, or a favorite that you're like number one? When I get to where I'm going, that's going to be where I'm going to go. Uh, I don't have a favorite place yet. I like. I think my favorite trips are the ones that are just camping and super simple, and like you have to work for. Yeah. Um, but the number one goal, I want to make it to Ukraine. My oh, family yes. is in Ukraine. I desperately want to go to Ukraine. I'm trying to learn the language. I have all of my note cards. <laughs> <laughs> How is that going? <laughs> Terribly. But, <laughs> uh, no, you know it's going. Again, I have to give myself some grace. I am finding that I'm learning more than what I realized. Yeah. Um, but I panic when I'm put on the spot. So <laughs> it's not a test. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I really want to make, I really want to go to Ukraine. That's number one goal. Um, and then otherwise, like I said, I just like being outside. So, um, this trip to Paris this, this past year, um, I loved being in the city and that was wonderful because we could walk everywhere. And then we went to the South of France and it's supposed to be about, hiking and being outside but what i found was um the people that we were with it was more about being in the lodge and enjoying the shopping aspect of mm -hmm. the south of france and i hated that that was <laughs> not enjoyable at all um so i'd love to do something that's more outdoorsy so yeah, yeah that's nice so what back to the job thing what has kept you from reverting back like just giving up the job and just going back to the easy nine to five? Uh, honestly, sometimes just sheer will and stubbornness. <laughs> um, sometimes it's been exhaustion so great that I don't even know how to get out of the hole I have dug. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's Anna and wanting to, to keep that legacy going for her. Um, that is when things are bad. When things are good, it's simply because I love what I do. Um, I have really great staff, which is wonderful and a breath of fresh air. Um, but it's hard, it's hard running a business and, um, you know, I don't always get to do the things I want to do or that I love to do on the business side that I, sometimes I'm bogged down with paperwork or sometimes I'm going, okay, what can I do? And I don't, I can't find anything that would be great for me <laughs> in that moment. And I'm like, well, I feel kind of useless, you know? <laughs> um, and, um, so yeah, that can be really difficult. And then you have to deal with clients are unhappy or staff that's unhappy. And you're sitting there going like, well, I'm sorry. I'm only one person. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that being said, I've, I've thought about selling in the past and um, I'm pretty sure that if somebody were to come in tomorrow and offer me $10 million, I'd say, here you go. I can invest that $10 million and still have enough for retirement. But um 
but for now, I really like what I do and I don't want to see anybody else take it over and do it differently. Yes. So what would you say the best part about you running your own business and being your own bosses? Um, that's really hard. I, I probably the flexibility that I have that, um, if I schedule right and if I work hard enough and I plan well enough, I can schedule, you know, I don't have a, a limit to how many vacation days or whatever else I have. It's like, no, this is what I'm going to do. Um, but that makes it seem like I have a lot more flexibility than what I actually have. You know, I can plan everything and have it set. Um, but if somebody does something egregiously wrong and I have to fire them, or if somebody calls out sick or if somebody quits, mm-hmm. um, I'm the one who gets to step in and fill in that spot. So, um, yeah, I can have everything all planned out and lovely and be like, this is what I'm doing and worry about coming back to a dumpster fire in in the end. What's (laughs) going to go wrong? So, yeah. And your least favorite part about being a boss or running your own business? Oh, no offense to the employees. (laughs) (laughs) When you have good ones, they're wonderful and it's fantastic. But you kind of have to wade through a lot of crap to find the good ones. Yes. Um, and nobody will ever, and I remember hearing this advice when I first started, but nobody will ever care about this business the way that I do. It, it's not anybody else. They can care about the dogs. They can love the dogs. Um, they can care about what they do, but nobody will ever love this business the way that I do and um, or sacrifice their time or their energy. And nor should they. They shouldn't have to. Um, but sometimes you wish that you could find that person who just why don't you care more? (laughs) Um, So what I've told a lot of people um, since my current staff has been hired (laughs) is that I've found a crew that I think truly does care about what they do. And um, that's, I can see the difference in the dogs. I can see the difference in the clients and the energy when I walk in the building is so much better. Yeah. Um, Makes me really happy. That's good. So what is, that what is it that you do for self-care like when you're burnt out how do you get back to you i run i run i literally run away from my problems (laughs) (laughs) um no honestly my my i have two running buddies we meet two to three times a week and we call it therapy with running um you know that my my running buddy is my therapist not technically but yeah (laughs) um she you know she is there for me if I really need her and, and same thing with my other running buddy. Um, and we complain about our problems and we vent and we ask each other advice. And, uh, if they're not available and I just can run and get my heart rate up and sweat everything out, it makes me feel a lot better. Um, other times I sleep and I eat a lot. So (laughs) (laughs) that works. Speaking of advice, what has been the best advice and the worst advice that you have ever been given? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, huh. You know, I think the best, I'm going to bring it back to my mom and, and her team, like treat everybody how you would want to be treated. And no, it's not technically business advice, but if you follow that for your employees, for your clients, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's very um, universal. It's very universal. <laughs> and so like when I have an, a client who's angry, I really try and think about like, what are they really angry about? Um, I will say at this point, I'm get more frustrated or more easily frustrated with angry clients because I'm like, I know what I'm talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> what are you complaining about? <laughs> um, if it's something that they actually have something to be angry about, it's like, yep, yeah, how can I handle it? And I'm not trying to, um, you know, I, I want to make sure that they feel comfortable with us as opposed to 
to just trying to get the next dollar out of them. Yeah. Um, if you follow it with employees, then when you have the employee who's tired or upset, you can approach it from a better path, a better place of compassion and empathy. I'm not always great at that. I really am not, but I try. <laughs> I do try. Um, the worst bit of advice I've gotten, I had somebody who um, was actually like, that was their, they were a business advisor. And um, I, when I look back, I think this was the beginning of the, um, for lack of a better word, shit show that, mm-hmm. that happened for with staffing for a while. Um, she said, you know, like, you're paying them to do this. Just, you know, expect them to do this job. And I don't know if it was what she said or how she said it or how I interpreted it. Um, but I think I took that too much to heart. And, um, you know, I said, well, I'm paying these people and essentially they need to do whatever I tell them to do. And didn't really see, wasn't really willing to listen as much to what they were trying to tell me. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I feel that that has changed a bit and again, not always perfect, but working on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's as long as you're working on it, progress is going to happen. So. We hope. <laughs> <laughs> and so as what being, I don't know how old you are now, but. I'm almost 38. <laughs> well, good. So what advice would you give to your younger self? Don't be so scared. Don't take everything so seriously. Um, I think those are the two big things. I took everything very seriously and everything was black and white and I never saw the shades of gray. Um, and I was too scared to try anything because if I wasn't good at it, then it meant I was bad at it and there's no in between. (laughs) Um, and now it's more like try something. You might like it. Um, even if it's hard, even if it's scary, just go and do it. Um, and, um, you know, the, the world is not in black and white it is filled with many many colors and many many shades of gray and um you know learn to appreciate all of those different colors and shades because that's it's a beautiful world (laughs) (laughs) it is and now we are wrapping up this was so good thank you so much and now before we go though i want you to tell us a random fun fact about yourself that many people might not know about a random fun fact about myself mm-hmm. that people might not know about. That one's hard. I'm an open book. Everybody <laughs> knows everything. Um, I don't know. That's hard. <laughs> Put me on the spot. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, da, 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 da. Oh, I was born with something called uterine didelphus, which meant that I had two or a split uterus, essentially. Whoa. Um, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know this until Anna was born, that she was born via C-section. And come to find out she was born via C-section because I had uterine didelphus, but we didn't know it at the time. The, and what is that? Yeah, so <laughs> so when a, um, when a uterus forms within a mother, so like when a, when a, when a fetus becomes a girl, mm-hmm. um, the uterus is normally two cells that uh, join together, and then that cell wall will dissolve to make one uterus. Uh, uterine didelphus, the cell wall doesn't dissolve. So you literally have a split uterus. And the best way to describe it is uh, a dinner plate. You have the the great portion and then the the main serving (laughs) portion. And um, so a lot of times people with uterine didelphus, they'll miscarry, they have um, preterm pregnancies and things like that. 
um, simply because there's not enough space for the, and breech pregnancies are really, really common, which is what Anna was, um, because there's just not enough room for a baby to grow. Yeah. Um, so when they went in via C-section to remove Anna, the doctor looked at me and she goes, has anyone ever told you you have a very special uterus? <laughs> I was like, that's not one I hear every day. <laughs> um, but apparently people, people with this, it's like 0.01% of the population have it, but apparently people who have it, it can be um, a split uterus. It can be two cervixes. Men can have it too. And oh, um, interesting. Yeah. So I just say there's somebody out there for everybody because <laughs> if somebody has I mean, like different body, so I get uncomfortable using terms, but, <laughs> um, um, but yeah, like the, I think that that is a really cool, fun fact. That but, is a cool, yeah, fun that, fact. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> But thank you so much for being here. This concludes this segment of Another Day of Inspiration. So I hope you're inspired and I hope you're motivated. As always, peace, love, namaste.